Welcome to the Homemade Podcast, everyone. My name is Coach Jules, and today with me is Coach Yuji. Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's episode, we are going to discuss our top three. So perhaps this will be an ongoing series, but for today's top three, we're going to discuss um, all about movement selection. So it's going to be about the most beneficial yet underutilized movements in training. Okay, so let's dive deeper into that. Um, we're, uh, Coach Eugene and I are going to give our top movements regarding this topic. And then, of course, we're going to dive deeper in why we chose that and why we selected that movement. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to start off first. Um, but first, my criteria before selecting each movement, um, because again, we are training for different purposes and per- different goals. For me, um, I found it, what I find beneficial is... Um, for one, it doesn't stress out my joints too much. And then it creates a good adaptation there, whether it be like a hypertrophy effect or a strength building effect here. And it's something that you can really kind of um, be sustainable with in your training program. So that's what I thought about when I thought about a beneficial type of movement. Okay, so that's going to bring me to the first movement that I wanted to share, which is going to be the lunge. Okay. So the lunge of any type of variation, um, forward lunge, step back lunge, lateral lunge, or a step up, I feel like that sort of unilateral type of movement or unilateral loading can really help, uh, for one, develop a lot of joint stability there. And of course, uh, number two, you'll be able to kind of create some balance in your, in your system. Because again, I know a lot of us, we do a lot of heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, and of course, that will be a bilateral movement and Usually, um, we develop some sort of imbalances if we keep on doing that. So I, I, like, I really like the lunge. I've been using it in my training for um, quite some time now. So let's say, let's say my back squat or my squats, um, I feel like I haven't really progressed too much there or I kind of hit a plateau. I like to kind of spice things up by adding a lunge. Or for example, let's say my joints feel a bit funky and I can't really load up on a certain squat movement. I'll probably go for like a step up or a lunge variation. So it's a good way to create that same like strength building adaptation, leg strength type of movement without overly loading the joint um, for that same movement pattern. So for me, um, I like the lunge. I use it a lot. Probably how to dose this, I would say maybe once or twice a week. Uh, Make sure you touch on any of those lunge variations, whether it would be front, uh, reverse lunge, lateral, step up, any form. So for me, that's that's what I like. Coach Eugene, number two. Cool. Um, so for uh, me, well, diving off from what you just said, it is a similar form of uh, unilateral single leg training. Um, what, what I'm talking about is that Bulgarian split squat or basically split squat in general. So split squat as a lower body exercise basically strengthens the muscles of the leg. Um, that includes your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, and your calves as well. So again, single leg exercise here. So your core is forced to work in overdrive to maintain your balance. So you're working your core at the same time. So a good benefit also for the um, split squat is basically you don't need much load to actually do this. So perfect for those who don't have much access to weight. So maybe you want to add a slight tempo to those split squats and it'll make things much harder get you a good workout as well. 
So with a split squat, so I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. So you're gonna start by around like standing around two feet, two feet in front of like a knee level bench, a box or whatever you have there. You're gonna lift one foot, put it on top of that bench. Of course, you're facing away from the bench. And then with that front leg, focusing on that front leg, you're just gonna bend through the knee, bring your torso down to the floor as low as you can, then stand on up. So that's how basically you do a split squat. So um, the benefits of doing a split squat and why you should do it, um, for those of you who use a lot of hamstrings and performing squats, I think basically like I do, um, you can actually position your foot closer to the elevated surface. So again, hind foot on top of something on a bench or a stool, place your front foot closer to that bench or stool so that your knees go over your toes or even passes your toes as you do the, the slip, slip squat. This will work a lot more of your quads and your VMO and will help you with that imbalance. Of course, doing the opposite by bringing your feet, your foot away from that bench will work more of your hamstrings and glutes if your hamstrings and glutes are a bit um, underworked or underchained. So again, depending on what your imbalance is, you can adjust to it, working on one or even both types of slip squats. Of course, if you get stronger with this, that will also transfer on to your back squats, your front squats, or any type of leg work or leg exercise. So I think this is one of the most underutilized um, movements. So even for me, to be honest, I haven't been doing this a lot. So I plan to put this in my routine maybe at least once a week. I would do this in, in if you have a squat day, maybe on another day. Um, probably even on your rest days, you can do this just as an active or um, uh, accessory piece for you to um, get your body moving on that day. Okay. What's yours? Yeah. What do you think? I think, I think it's a good movement. Um, for me personally, I like using or I like doing the Bulgarian split squats. Um, it's a tough movement for sure. And then I know why people sometimes I don't want to do it because, again, it is a bit demanding in a sense that you're balancing on one uh, one leg there and then you're just kind of yeah. driving off one leg but every time after I do that my, my knees feel a lot better and it just feels better overall I would say yep. so how would you program that in the week Coach Yuji in terms of rep scheme and loading in, for hmm. your preference for my preference um, again I would start with a lightweight you can either do this uh, with a barbell back, back racket or even front racket or with a pair of dumbbells um, really up to you which you guys have available to you I would do this once a week um, so for me personally I do my squat every Tuesday um, I would program this and do this maybe on a Friday right after my rest day so my legs are free and rested from all the movements uh, the previous days and then maybe do um, let's say 6 to 8 sets of around let's say 5 to 8 reps per leg um, you can even do this EMOM style um, per leg, all right? So do five reps to eight reps for the left leg. The rest of the minute, rest. Once a minute uh, hit, um, the next minute hit, do the other side or the opposite side. I see, I see. A bit low intensity, but it will get you there. All right, okay. I, I, I like the rep scheme. Um, to contrast there, for me personally, I like to use the split squats maybe after my squat session. Um, oh, yeah. 
Uh, it's usually like the way I think about it is I've done my bilateral work, so two legs, and then I'll kind of even things out using the unilateral work. So that's how I see it. Uh, after squat sesh, I'll probably go for maybe three to four sets, uh, just really lightweights. Uh, for the rep range, maybe around eight or eight plus per side. That's how I like to do mine. Okay? Okay. That's actually smart for those of you who don't have a lot of time yeah. or can train like five days, four days a week. Might as well put them together. Your legs are warm anyway. Yeah. Work them on the same day. All right. Okay. Let's move on to my next pick. So my pick, next movement pick would be any form of plant. So plank again, isometric hold. This can be a low plank position, a high plank position, a side plank, and even a reverse plank there. So uh, for me, I really like this movement just because, again, you are in that isometric position where you hold your contraction for a long time. And the objective of the plank is to keep your spine in the, in the most neutral position you can for as long as possible. And neutral spine is one of like the fundamentals, I would say, when you do any like compound or heavy compound movement. So you'll see a lot of transfer from doing um, that plank isometric hold and how it transfers to your big, bigger compound lifts. So I mm -hmm. like that transfer. I like the, the ability to strengthen keeping your spine nice and neutral. And then um, aside from that, the plank also kind of allows your body to be engaged as a whole. So when you're planking, you're not just focused on like one body part, but you're focused on, let's say in the low plank, you're focused on keeping your rib cage kind of tucked down, braced, your glutes are squeezed, your shoulder blades are pushing down or your elbows are pushing down away from the floor. So I like that aspect there where your whole body is kind of engaged. So that's my pitch for you guys, the planks, any form of plank, um, even the reverse plank, I think it's something very nice. Uh, reverse plank is... You're going to be facing up, hands on like in your sides, and your hips are up and legs extended. So for me, that's going to be like a lot of hamstring posterior chain work. So if you haven't done any side planks or reverse planks, and you've only been doing like low planks, it's something to explore because again, the carryover is going to be beneficial. And it's not that high impact as well. With regards to how to insert that on your programming, uh, for, for me, I, would, I like inserting it as a warm-up uh, prior to my heavier compound lift. So uh, I know it's a squat day. I know it's a deadlift day. I'll probably sneak in maybe a couple of sets of like 20-second isometric plank holds just to kind of fire up um, the midline and just to prep the body or prep the spine to be in a more neutral position. Now, if I'm not warming up using the planks, I would use it like as a finisher, as an accessory piece after all my uh, main work. I'll probably just aim to accumulate let's say maybe two minutes per side or two minutes in the low plank position onwards so for me uh the planks have been really good especially also if you've been suffering from let's say a lot of like uh, joint pain or back pain or some funkiness around mm -hmm. there i think it, it will uh, bring a lot of benefit for you guys that's not for me what do you yeah, yeah. i agree I, to I totally agree with the, the plank um people think it's a boring exercise for one it hurts to be honest um, for you to stay in that same position, it can get boring, but it is boring if you're not staying in the position for long. Let's say 30 seconds. Okay, um, this is just 30 seconds. I can do this, no problem. But try and challenge yourself for like a longer duration, like a minute, two minutes. And I, I, 
I promise you, you won't find that boring. It will hurt. It will burn. Yeah. But again, um, the stability, um, what we're tra- the plan is trying to work is your stability and your core. And again, transfers on to a lot of the movements, especially in functional fitness or CrossFit, um, with gymnastics, with weightlifting, with everything that we do. So plank, guys, just put that in into your accessory and you guys should be fine. You see the benefits of it immediately. Yep, I agree. I agree. The, the, the benefit is huge in the transfer. And I think it's also challenging to actually do the planks extremely well, like with impeccable mm-hmm. form, right? Uh, yeah, it's easy yeah, to get yeah, very yeah. sloppy in the plank where you just sag the hips yeah. down or you lose that yep, integrity yep. of the spine. But if you do it properly, yep. it's pretty tough to hold. hold. It it's tough to hold it. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Coach Huge, what's your All next right. pick? Next pick for me. Um, I'm pretty sure this is very underutilized. Um, the farmer's walk or farmer's carry. Okay, so basically a farmer's walk or farmer's carry um, is just holding a pair of dumbbells or even a single dumbbell on one side with arms straight. You trying to stabilize yourself, try to stand tall, and you're just walking for, let's say, a distance or even just holding it there for a duration of time. Um, so what most people uh, often neglect is rotational strength. Um, so rotational strength is basically your body's like power to rotate and stabilize and control rotation without injuring yourself. So it's basically working your core. So rotational strength is basically part of your core training. So um, if you have had like any experience that you, you feel that you're rotating your torso when you're not supposed to, let's say during renegade rows, okay? We do a lot of renegade rows in home con plus. So when you're on that plank, you're trying to row that dumbbell from the floor in a high plank position. If it's hard for you to actually stay square and stable, that means maybe your rotational strength is not there. Your obliques aren't there. So you're not stable. Um, your stabilizers, basically, your obliques are not as strong yet. So this can also happen in like maybe um, kettlebell swings, dumbbell snatches. Um, then I think it might be better for you to train your obliques and your rotational strength. So. Um, rotational strength, benefits of rotational strength, um, I'll list down a few. So basically, anti-rotational strength. So once we, when we say farmers walk or farmers carry with a single dumbbell, what we're working there is anti-rotational strength, which in turn also um, works to rotational strength. So um, carrying a heavy weight with one arm or one side at one side and trying to stabilize and avoiding that weight from pulling you to that certain side, this will work your core, your obliques, and your total rotational strength. So if you develop rotational strength and anti-rotational strength, that can even transfer on to like stabilizing the spine, the hips, during explosive movements such as like your dumbbell snatches, your swings, even Olympic lifts such as your clean injuries and your snatches. Um, aside from, um, Developing uh, this, the other benefit of rotation of working your rotational strength is um, uh, total body power and basically explosiveness. All right. So when we sprint, when we do uh, there, I, I believe we have also listeners or members who do contact sports, let's say basketball. Some do MMA. Um, you, 
training um, rotational strength can develop more body power and explosiveness. So it, when you think of Olympic lifting, when we bring the barbell overhead, when we're trying to jerk that barbell overhead, there are times that we are unstable, that our torso kind of rotates in a certain area. And once that happens and we're not able to control that properly, um, a few things can happen. You can strain your back, strain your shoulders, strain your neck, and all of that. So developing power in that in those certain positions as well and um, training your body to avoid getting into those um, dangerous positions will actually help you avoid injury as well. Um, so rotational forces basically um, can cause spinal health issues, um, so unwanted or uncontrolled rotational movement of the core can also affect your hips and your knees. Um, movements like overhead squats, back squats, your pulls and everything. So the coordination and strength to control your rotational movement during both controlled and ballistic exercise, which means explosive exercise, um, well, um, so again, coordination and strength to control that will again transfer on to those lifts. Um, yeah. Jules, anything you want to add to that story? It, it got a bit weird. <laughs> that was a lengthy response, but I, I think I got the gist of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I really liked there was that um, how, how it can, how this movement can help you be more resilient in times of instability. So, uh, a great example is one that you cited where, let's say, we do a lot of dynamic movements such as the snatch and the clean and jerk. And we don't, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't lift with like 100% perfect form. And, and, we, yeah. and since there's some imperfection with our movement, there'll be some form of imbalances where like one side, may, you may overpull the bar and then you may have to kind of control yeah. that um, lack yeah. of technique rather um, so, that, so that I think this strength can prevent you or, or can turn you into a more resilient um, athlete so that just in case you encounter that yeah. form of instability, uh, your body's prepped for that and you won't get injured and you'll be able to move, move um, safely, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not as prone to like um, any strains or uh, yeah. spasms, like hips right. or back yeah. and all of that. Uh, one thing I also like yeah. with the single arm farmer's carry or any form of carry rather, it's, it's a quite a unique movement because... Um, you're moving like through a horizontal plane. So you're traveling from one point to another. So you're walking forward, you're walking around. And I feel like that stimulus of holding a load and, tr- and staying in a good posture and moving it to point A to point B is really something very different as opposed to like uh, just the normal stuff that we do stationary, like doing back squats or doing our exercises in place. So if you haven't, if you yeah. haven't done any of that like point A to point B type of carry movement, it's a nice way to add variety in your training and make things fun as well. So I like to put that in yeah. my training too. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, um, I think this is going to be our last movement each. So my last movement yep. is going to be the hip thrust or like a glute bridge. Um, for me, I mm-hmm. like this movement because, again, you can get really good adaptation effects here without overly loading um, your, your central nervous system or your body as a whole. So... And you can actually just have like um, a bar on your on your hip or or a weight on your hip and do your hip thrust there. So as a benefit, I like this because again, 
Uh, there's not much loading in the spine. And then you get to really focus on the glutes, the hamstrings. And these, this, the, the posterior chain muscles here involved are some things that we don't really tend to hit a lot because a lot of, I would say a lot of our movements are very squat dominant and then we're, or very quad dominant rather, where we don't get to engage the glutes or fully extend the hips at times. So I like the hip thrust. I like any form of glute bridge for those reasons. And for, you can even some people go heavy in these glute bridges and they don't get pretty wrecked in terms of nervous system wise here. So I think it's a great way to add variety to your, variety to your training. And I've also used it to kind of break through plateaus for, let's say, my deadlift. So I would add these in throughout my training weeks or training weeks after my deadlift or on another day just to complement that. And I've seen a lot of success on how it transfers over to my deadlift. So as you kind of see, the way I selected the movements is, again, the, the factor of having a good bang for your buck in the sense that the adaptation or the effect is, is huge, whereas it doesn't tax your body too much or you know, it doesn't work at the expense of your body. So that's how I kind of chose some of my movements today. Cool. Yeah, um, so same for me, uh, I, I, I do agree um, uh, that the, the glute bridge is very, very advantaged, of advantages to everyone. Um, also, for those of you who underutilize or like who have like sleeping glutes or who can't utilize those glutes or they're not firing, when it comes to like squats, when it comes to any type of lifting movement as well, I think the glute bridge is a good warm-up and an accessory at the same time that can wake up your glutes, especially most of us are actually just sitting down. Uh, most of us have a nine-to-five job. We're sitting down, working, we're in front of our computers. Uh, basically, our body shuts down and it turns off. So for, for us to wake that up, a glute, glute bridge, it doesn't matter if it's weighted or if it's just body weight, is a good way to actually wake those um, sleeping muscles up. Well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just to add to that, uh, we've been hearing also like a lot of like back pains or some aches are mm-hmm. you know kind kind of caused by weak glutes or let's say if you do a movement yeah. Yeah. and it's causing a bit of pain, it's caused by weak glutes. So I think um yeah. having those hip thrusts in and glute bridges uh, will really benefit you there, developing the glute strength. And I think it's just really very beneficial, and you can't you can't be overly strong in your glutes, so might as well. Have that, yeah. have that oh, yeah. training, right? Yeah, um, like a personal experience of mine a few years back. Um, apparently, when I squat, I'm more quad dominant uh, before. Um, so I would use more of my quads and my glutes were firing. So my quads became really um, stressed with all the weight there. So I got like an IT band um, uh, strain or... ITBS, I think, is what it's mm-hmm. called. Um, so what I did was I thought it was like a like a knee pain, like like the fluid between my joints were thinning out and I can't squat anymore and all of that stuff. Um, but I get a really sharp pain on the side of my knee, the outer side of my knee, as I squat down and as I stand up. Um, so I searched up like, okay, what are the signs of this? What can I do to correct this? So it, I read. Um, their glutes aren't firing, most likely. So I did a lot of glute bridges as an accessory. Like I do a lot of it at home. It's not even before my workout, before sleeping, I do glute bridges. 
I stretch out my glutes as well, do all of that stuff to wake up my glutes. So it takes more load off my quads. So I get a bit more balance in my leg. All right. Okay. Last movement, Coach Huge. All right. Um, so last movement, guys, um, is your one-arm dumbbell row. Okay. So um, horizontal pulling is a bit underused in terms of what we do in CrossFit. Um, we do a lot of pull-ups or uh, basically vertical pulling. So they pull up to like build your back, build your lats. But horizontal pulling basically balances out all the overhead movement and vertical pulling that what we actually do. Um, so the one-arm dumbbell row, so aside from it actually helping you with your core as well because you have to stabilize again in a certain position and not let that weight drag you down to that one side. Um, the one-arm dumbbell row helps build, build a lot of upper back strength that people don't think it does. And it helps reduce the risk of injury to the shoulder. Um, personally, I've had this, my shoulders, even up until now, it's a bit, a bit funky. But what I've been doing is that I've been doing a lot of horizontal rows, of course, with proper form. So when we do our rows, we avoid shrugging up. So bring your shoulders back and down. So we can actually work our scapulas and our shoulder blades while we're doing this. So mo most athletes, especially CrossFit athletes, spend the majority of the day sitting down as well, um, which causes the rhomboid. Basically, the muscles right underneath our traps or run right underneath our neck. And the mid-low traps to get lengthened out and relaxed throughout the day. So what I said a while ago is about um, your muscles sleeping because we are in, on a desk, we're sitting down, we're not utilizing our muscles, so they sleep. So adding that one-arm dumbbell rope, you wake up these muscles that actually help stabilize the scapula and in turn stabilize your shoulders. So when you do any kind of pressing movement like overhead presses, snatches, um, push-ups, your scapulas are strong. So they stabilize and they protect your shoulder joints as well. So this can also avoid shoulder injury. Koshos, any thoughts on the one? Yeah, on uh, actually, I, I love any form of like horizontal rowing. Uh, I just believe that you should be pulling or like rowing or like vertical pulling more than you press. And I think a lot of athletes mm -hmm. in sport sport do a lot of pressing. Um, so I I think it's overlooked like. In terms of ratio of that push to pull ratio, I think pulling will definitely yeah. be more valuable here in terms of keeping you safe or your shoulders safe. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the one thing I also like mm -hmm. with, the, with any form of like row is almost like the way it kind of develops also your, your good posture. Because again, I know a lot of times mm -hmm. um, we're in the desk or like we're texting or like using your devices and kind of hunched over. It's just the nature of you know, just living. And we, and we tend to kind of compromise your posture there and i like the row because again it, it sets your shoulder blades back and down it sets your your back in a good position and kind of forces you to relearn what a, a good posture is so i like that carry over the posture yeah. as well aside from uh keeping your shoulders safe so i like any form of horizontal row for me i like rows more than pull-ups to be honest i i do like rows more okay all right the rows actually work your biceps yeah. too, so if you want to look jacked, um, one arm or barbell, one arm double rows or barbell rows are 
uh, is the key. <laughs> yeah, there is a secondary muscle working there, the bicep, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, those were our top movements for today. So again, these were the most, or what we found, most beneficial yet underutilized movements in training. So I think we'll just sum this up. I'll say my, my three, and then Coach Yuji will say his three. So my first one would be any form of lunging. Second one would be any form of plank. And third would be a hip thrust or a glute bridge type of variation. For Coach Yuji. Um, that's your split squat. Can be Bulgarian, can be just on the floor. Um, next is your farmer's walk or single arm carries or holds. And the next one and the last one is your single arm dumbbell row or basically any type of horizontal. Awesome. Pull. Okay. So, guys, those are our top movements for you. We hope you try it out or we hope you get the chance to insert that into your program. And again, uh, if you're curious, all of these movements that we just mentioned, you'll see it a lot in our HomeCon Plus programming, in our HomeCon Custom programming. Yep. Because, again, we love these movements, guys, and we want to uh, share the, the effects with you. So if you're interested in joining any of our programs, feel free to shoot us a message on our socials. We'd be happy to have you through our programs, okay? Uh, don't forget to subscribe also to our YouTube channel and to this podcast if you haven't subscribed yet. We are trying to be more consistent here. Maybe we'll get more guests or we'll talk about more ins- insightful topics for you guys. Go, Juji, any other closing remarks for you? Follow Yuji Bear. Follow you, Jibber. I'm good. Uh, follow you, Jibber. Yeah, you can follow you, Jibber on Instagram. Uh, make me famous, guys. <laughs> JK. Uh, no. Um, but make sure to follow Habitat Fitness on socials to get more news and updates from us. And again, shoot us a message anytime, Coach Jules and me, for any topics that you All right. Want. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Coach Yuji. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.